many people have been watching The Bake Off? A few. Yeah, I, I really love The Bake Off. Um, I've watched every episode since the series began 10 years ago. I'm, I'm a little obsessed. I'm of the opinion that it's not quite as good now as when Queen Mary was judging the bakes, but, um, but you know, it's still good. And, you know, the biggest problem with the bake-off is that no matter how many episodes you watch, no matter how intently you watch it, you still don't get to eat cake. I don't know if you've ever experienced that with recipe programs. They're cooking something really delicious, and you just don't get to eat it. Unless you get a recipe, you get all the goods together, you turn on the oven, and you actually do what the recipe says. Bake Off might inspire you to bake, but you could have watched every single episode and still not know what cake tastes like. Uh, Reading this passage in James, I've just been reflecting on this, how, um, how there's a, and how dwelling on God's word leads to being, which leads to doing. There's a flow. When we dwell out, dwell on God's word, we need to do something about it. But to do something about it, we need to know who we are. Maybe to put it simply, a cake comes out of a recipe. Just reading a recipe won't make a cake. But try to make a cake without a recipe and you'll get a mess. I don't know if you ever tried it. Trying to live our life without knowing who we are and what we're designed to be is like making up a recipe for something you've never made. But, equally, just reading the recipe, just reading God's word and knowing what it says, knowing what we're designed to do, but not actually doing it, will never produce the goods, will never produce fruit. James uses the analogy of a mirror. He says that people who listen to God's word but don't do what it says are like people who look at themselves in a mirror and then straight away forget what they look like. I don't know about you, but um, I don't really like looking in the mirror. It's one of the reasons why I don't go to hairdressers very often. The kind of the mirror and the bright lights, all your blemishes come up. Uh, But have you ever got a bit of lettuce stuck in your teeth and not noticed until the next time you've gone to a mirror? That's why pretty much every bathroom will have a mirror in it. If we don't have a mirror to show us where we're dirty, we're never going to get clean. But seeing that we're dirty is not always uncomfortable. Realising that you've talked to about 50 people with a bit of lettuce in your teeth is just embarrassing. Just like mirrors show us the truth about ourselves externally, God's word shows us the truth about ourselves on the inside. In the ancient world, mirrors were just polished pieces of metal and they were also used for moral self-reflection. And God's word leads us into the sometimes uncomfortable but always life-giving truth about our nature, about our hearts and about our very being. It tells us who we are. It tells us that we're dearly loved children of God who have got dirty. When we dwell on God's word in the power of the Holy Spirit, he shows us where that dirt is and he helps us to lift, he helps to lift that dirt off to reveal our true beauty that is in him. God's spirit helps to reveal those lies that Boz was talking about last week that trip and tempt us and speaks his truth to us, bringing life and freedom.
And this passage is quite a challenging one. Verse 22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. It's all too easy to look into the mirror of God's word, be challenged, and then walk away and do nothing about it. Our education system is excellent. I have the greatest respect for our teachers. But it tends to lead us to think that to know something is to be able to remember it enough to be able to write an essay or sit an exam. It gives us quite a head knowledge of a head understanding of knowledge, a cerebral understanding of knowledge. And we don't necessarily think that practically about it. How important it is to apply that knowledge to really know it. It can be really easy for us to substitute reading, hearing or talking for doing when they're not the same thing. Reading a book about forgiveness is not the same thing as forgiving someone. Thinking about your problems is not the same thing as turning to God with them in prayer. Hearing Jesus' commands to love our neighbours is not the same thing as looking at the person who has annoyed you or hurt you and seeing them as the son or daughter of God, that God loves, and paying that price to love and respect and speak well of them behind their backs as well as to their face. Listening is easy. It's actually doing something about what God says that's costly. And the trouble is that only listening to God's word and not doing something about it can be quite dangerous. Because listening can make us believe that we are doing something that we're only thinking about. Jesus reserves his strongest criticisms for the Pharisees who do just that. They know God's law inside and out, but they don't really practice the heart of it. And Jesus says of them, this is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. The trouble with just listening and not doing is that it becomes very easy to deceive ourselves that listening is doing and become blinded to the reality of our own state. And before long, we listen but we don't hear because we think we know it already. I don't know about you, but uh, I've been a Christian quite a long time. I've done a theology degree. I've sat through I don't know how many sermons. And it can feel like you know, you know it all already. Someone stands up and they say, oh, that's nothing new. And it can just get a bit boring. But God's really been challenging me recently that actually I might know a lot of things about being a Christian, but the beauty of being a Christian is actually trying to live out God's word. That's when it gets exciting, when we try and live it out in our life, when we let it challenge, when we let it transform us. Putting the Bible into practice with the help of the Holy Spirit, is a lifelong adventure. And let's be honest, if we're talking about living the lifestyle of Jesus, we've all got a really long way to go. We've all got a lot to learn, especially me. And it's too easy as a Christian to know the right things to say, to present ourselves as holy. But it's God who's perfect, not us. We're just the ones that know our need of him. So, Do not nearly listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Verse 22. I'm going to get a little bit challenging here. How many people have put the last two weeks' sermons into practice? Josh's sermon about enduring trials with joy. 
I remember a particular bit of it where he says about listening to people whilst they speak, really listening to them. Or Boz's sermon of last week of getting underneath the lies um, that tempt us away and discover God's truth in our individual situation. Or even his challenge to us to read James, read the book of James. I'm not saying these things to make you feel guilty. God loves you no matter what you do. If you never pick up the Bible again, God loves you. But if we're really serious about being God's disciples, if we're really serious about being transformed, we actually have to do something about God's word. Listening to sermons each week won't do that. We actually need to take them and apply them to our lives. And that's not about trying to do everything all at once, you know, suddenly, you know, New Year's resolutions, I'm going to do this. I'm not talking about that. But it's about listening to the guidance of the Holy Spirit, listening to those prompts that the Holy Spirit gives us, where he just puts his finger on something and says, ooh, have you thought about this? Not that general kind of guilt condemning that the the devil does, where where it just makes you feel rubbish and you're still there, and you're left there. But that kind of specific prompting, you read a Bible passage and it jumps out to you, or you're having a discussion with a friend and, and something just sticks in your heart and you remember and you think, oh, that's God speaking to me. Or you're walking along the road and and a thought jumps into your head and you just know that it's God, that it's life-giving, that it's challenging. And what I'm talking about is just not ignoring those things because it's very easy to just think, oh, God spoke to me and then walk on and forget about it. Dwell on those things. If you feel God speaking to you about something, dwell on that word. Go deeper with what God's actually saying to you and doing do something about it. And this is where it's really important that we don't try and do this on our own. It's really hard to live a life following Jesus on our own. We need one another to keep us accountable, to remind us that God said something to us last week and we wanted to do something about it. Um, to pray with one another and encourage us when we fail, because we will fail. I've got a prayer partner who I meet up with every week, and we have lunch together. And I get her to ask me difficult questions about what God's saying to me and what I'm doing about it. And if I'm struggling with something, what's going on underneath that? Are there any lies that I'm believing? Is there any truth that God wants to speak to me? We need one another's help. Have you got anyone that uh, you can ask just to say, look, can, you, can we meet up regularly? And can you ask me, what, God is, what is God saying to me? And what am I doing about it? Because actually doing something about what God's saying is really hard. And we need to be intentional. Just thinking wishful thoughts about how we want to pray more or how we want to stop gossiping or just generally be better won't do anything listening to God's specific word for our life and doing something about it will change us. At this point, I think it's important to go back to what I said at the beginning because what we do comes out of who we are or who we think we are. And it seems to me that certain people have a tendency for either doing or for being, for reflecting. One comes a bit more easily than the other. And I've talked about the importance of doing God's word, but perhaps you're one of these people who is always doing. How do we know what to do unless we listen? How can we make sure that the cake is a success 
unless we read the recipe and keep following it. The key failure which this passage in James talks about is forgetting. The person looks in the mirror and then straight away forgets what they look like. But verse 25 says, those who look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continue in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. I think that this is the key verse that this passage hinges upon. James is inviting us to look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, to imprint God's words into our souls so that we can't forget them. And the words intently here, they mean to stoop down, to look by standing over. And I've just been struck by this picture by Stanley Spencer that I think captures something of this meaning. It's called Christ in the Wilderness, Consider the Lilies. It's a childlike Christ, concentrating all his attention, stooping down to consider the wonder of God's creation in this daisy. Doing comes out of being. And being is about looking, attending, seeing, listening, slowing down, if only for a moment. So what are we to look at so intently? We're to look at the perfect law that gives freedom. When James talks about the perfect law, he's not talking about the law of the old covenant, the Ten Commandments or the list of rules that were impossible to to keep because of our human nature. He's talking about the law that has been perfected in Jesus, who has sent his spirit to live in us so that we are able to be obedient. He's talking about those new covenant promises that God has made to us, that by God's grace, we're able to fulfill his word. James says we are to humbly accept the word of God planted in us, which can save us. This word of God that we're to humbly accept is three things. It's Jesus himself, God's living word. It's the gospel, the good news of our salvation that brings life to those who repent and believe. And it's the scriptures, the Bible, which are God-inspired and which the Spirit brings alive to us here and now. I love the messages translation of verse 21. In simple humility, let our gardener God landscape you with the word, making a salvation garden of your life. So how do we let God landscape us with his word? This word that brings freedom and salvation, that purifies us and helps us to live rightly before God and others. I've been thinking a lot about this recently, um, ever since I've had my daughter Ella about a year ago. Um, I found quiet times really hard to start with when I first had her, because there's very little quiet and very little time when you have a newborn baby. But things are calming down, and it's left me with the question of how do I find space to dwell on God and his word? How do I find space to really engage with God, even when things are chaotic and busy? Just because I didn't do my quiet time, does that mean God doesn't love me or I haven't prayed? 
And I think making space for God at the same time every day and really going deeper into him and his word is really important. But I think we run the risk of becoming religious about it. James uses the word religious for those who um, do the outward practice, who serve God, but it doesn't really touch their hearts. And I think we can get like that with Bible reading. God doesn't love us because we do a quiet time at exactly the time, at the same time every day and read a certain number of Bible verses a day. God loves us because, not because of what we do, but because I am his daughter. I am right with God because Jesus died for me on the cross. And that can be quite difficult, but I think when we know that we're God's son and daughter, when we know who we are, we end up wanting to please him and to do more. But when we're just doing because we feel like we've got a strict father standing over telling us we have to, then it won't ever touch our heart. And in the end, you know, we'll rebel against that. Actually, I've been learning that what God wants for me is far more than 10 minutes here or half an hour of my time. God wants my heart. He wants the whole of my life lived to glorify him. And God's teaching me to pray in a way that lasts the whole day as well as my quiet time, to go deeper with him than a religious practice. And I've learned a couple of ways to just dwell on God's word and let it touch my heart, which I'd like to share with you. The first one's perhaps the simplest. Whenever I get a moment through the day, it doesn't have to be very long, I pause and I breathe, and I breathe with God. For God, a thousand years is like a single day, and a few minutes can be like the taste of eternity. Slowing down just for a second and breathing with God, opening our hearts to him, can make the biggest difference to your life. You don't have to have loads of time to do it. And if I'm having a particularly stressful day, I try and pause regularly throughout the day. And um, quite often I have a, a couple of words that I just repeat to myself, like, light of the world, be my light. Or I might choose a Bible verse that I've read in the morning and I want to come back to over the day. And just really let it go deeper with me. And the second thing that's helped me to know is to know that God is always there. God's always with us. Beneath everything that's going on, beneath any chaos, beneath any busyness at work, there's a still centre inside us where the Holy Spirit dwells that we can connect with at any time. It's just like all sounds, all noises are imposed on silence. There's a stillness behind every sound. We don't have to go anywhere special or do anything special. That, that stillness, that sound is there. It's like the base level for us to connect with. So it might help you to think of your day and think of the thing that you do that you think is just furthest away from God, that's just nothing to do with God. And next time you do it this week, just turn your heart to him and just say, God, I'm here. I recognize you're with me. Because God dwells with us. 1 Corinthians 3 says, Do you not know that you are a temple of God, that the Spirit of God dwells in you? God is with us, but are we with him? All that we need to do is pause, 
recognise God is there and turn our hearts to him. We invite him into our whole lives, into the situations that are going on, there and then. Those who look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continue in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So doing comes out of being. We live differently when we know that we are sons and daughters of God, loved by him. But beware of getting confused between knowing and acting, listening and doing. Don't think that watching the bake-off is the same thing as eating cake. Or that listening to the sermon is the same thing as going away and putting it into practice. When the mirror of God's word challenges you with your own reflection with how deeply you are loved or the dirt that you've got on you. Don't walk away and forget. Dwell on God's word. Let it get under your skin. Let it permeate your heart. Let it change you from the inside out. Because God wants all of us. He's with us always and he dwells with us. He wants to escape the religious box that we've put him in and take hold of our whole lives and fill them with his love, joy, and peace. So let's live the exciting adventure together with the Holy Spirit and one another of putting God's word into practice.